Just a friendly reminder that if you wish to support the ministries of this podcast or of the local church in which I serve, you may send any donations to 563 East Main Street in Philadelphia, Mississippi, 39350, care of Henry's Chapel, UMC. So last week, we started our walk through 1 John. We began looking at what it means to live in the light of the resurrection, on this side of the resurrection, and addressing what it means to walk in the light. And this week, we're going to jump to 1 John chapter 3, but I do want to look at what we missed, what we kind of glossed over through the lectionary, which is the fact of Christ is the atoning sacrifice. Christ is the one that paid the price that we may have this abundance of life. And if we do not follow his commands, we don't know him. We cannot walk with Christ and still hate one another because we are called to love the way in the, in the way that God loves and not of the world. And so we're reminded that 1 John is a letter. It's a letter written about living in a community with Christ and it's rooted in this world and how to live and act as followers of God in this world. Whereas chapters 1 and 2 have addressed the love of God and love of others, First John turns to how God loves us and how we receive that love and then it calls us to go forth and share it because in the letters of First John, it never separates God's love for us and then how we reciprocate that love to one another. So in First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, we hear these words. It says, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do not, what we do know is this. When he is revealed, he, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. And all who know, who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he has revealed to take Away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who knows, no one who sins has either seen or known him. Sorry. And little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is right in righteousness, just as he is righteous. And so this text starts off kind of recapping what we just looked at in first, that we kind of skipped over in First John two, this this overarching theme of love and light that we see in First John that God is light and God is love. And last week we looked at God as light. We should and how we should remain in that light. That God is love and we should remain and we love one another. Remaining in relationship with Jesus by loving each other as Jesus loved us and as Jesus loves us. Remaining in the light is of the utmost importance and the way to do that is to love one another. As we seek to continue to live in the light, it is a call to love God and love one another. As, or as a good friend said, if you want to sum up the entire gospel, it's love God and love everybody else. So the opening verses of this third chapter are, are, are this gorgeous kind of eloquent 
poem about love, the love lavished on us by God our Father, and how this makes us all children of God. And this is this wonderful, almost poetic writing. And in so many ways, it encapsulates the essence of what makes the gospel the amazing good news that it is. That through Christ's love, we are children of God. And therefore, we are brought into the family and called to bring others in through sharing of that love. And so, as we looked at the idea of walking in the light last week, we talked an awful lot about purity. And in verse 3, this is this idea of purity coming to life again. It's purifying ourselves, and it's coming up again. Basically, though, the process of purification rids people of their immediate environment of pollution. And so this idea of purity is, yes, about personal, and, but it's also about societal sin. It's when we do not see ourselves or others as children of God. It's, so it's not a coincidence this falls right on the heels of we are the children of God. We are all brought into the family through Christ's love. And then it goes into this idea of purify yourself. Remove yourself from those wicked ways of self and of society. It's when we do not see others or ourselves as children of God that we find ourselves living into sin. And in this regard, purity has as much to do with systematic and institutional evils, such as racism and discrimination and inequity, as it does with our individual sin. We may look at it and say, but I'm not doing those things. And the reality is, as long as we're promoting a society, as long as we're promoting an institution that does promote those types of behaviors, then yes, we may not be, quote-unquote, doing those things, but our silence is promoting those actions. And deceiving oneself into believing and acting in a way that's suggest you or anyone else is anything less than a beloved child of God is indeed sin. And this is when we talked about last week, shine a light in our lives, oh God. Show us the ways that we either consciously or subconsciously have promoted these behaviors that promote that someone is being treated as a less than, as marginalized, as pressing others away. Or show us, oh God, in ways in which we have lived into our own privilege into our own promotion into our own status seeking to promote self over other too often we focus on individual purity and we ignore the systemic and institutional and ideological uh impure ways in which that are going on in our world the ways in which society or system or institution or even our thoughts have promoted that someone is less than and as we hear all of God, that we are all God's children, thus we are all people of worth, or as our wonderful treasurer at the United Methodist Church in the state of Mississippi calls us, we are all cogpals, children of God, people of worth. And no one is of greater or elevated status over the other in the eyes of God. And thus we are called to live in that same manner, that no one is greater than the other, that no one is higher than the other. And if we live in a society or in a world or in a ideological place or in an institution that promotes that, then we indeed are living into the sin of this world. This was written to a community, this text was written to a community that was experiencing social degradation. Similar to how our culture has promoted inclusion over exclusion, it's fueled by our overt attachment to power. 
and clinging to our own sect, party, or way of life being the best way of life. And this is manifested through the ism, through classism, sexism, racism, etc. But the reality is, for many of us, we find ourselves too busy trying to protect those isms and protect our power, not realizing that by protecting our way of life, what we are doing is pushing away the kingdom way of love and unity and care and compassion for the other. We, much like the Hebrews of Exodus and the Torah and the Persians in 1 John, are a community fighting for survival against the barrage of hate, discrimination, and separation that the world is throwing at us. Yet we hear the reminder that we are all described as God's children. So we are living in this tension if we accept this call to be a part of the family of God. That we are all children of God which is the evidence of God's love that God has created and called us to be in the family. But how do we share and show that same love? We must first, as we discussed last week, ask God to shine a light on our lives and the ways in which we have chosen hate over love, division over unity, and self over the kingdom. We live in this tension that while, yes, we are part of the family, we also want to be individuals and we, want and we seek to promote ourselves. But as a member of the family, what we are called to promote first and foremost is the kingdom of love, unity, and grace, and mercy. For many of us, we have a conflict when this comes, a conflict of what we claim and what we profess, a claim of how we live and what we claim to believe. While we claim that we are children of God, we do not live into this belief that all are the children of God. We go, yeah, I'm a child of God, but they are outside of my family, and thus they are less than. And the reality is that we are called to seek out those that are not knowingly members of the family and bring them into this family of love, grace, and mercy. But our actions are pushing the other away. Our actions are not promoting a family of love, grace, and mercy. Our actions are, are putting up walls and barriers. If you want to be a part of this family, then you must do X, Y, and Z. The key to addressing this conflict is a right understanding of who Jesus is. Because this leads us to a right relationship with God, and it le thus leads us to a right relationship with each other. But the problem is, is for many of us that we do not have a right understanding of Jesus because we view Jesus as the individual God of our lives and the individual Savior of our lives. And, not, and we lose sight of the fact that Jesus came and died for all and sin, that all may live and know, that all may be brought into the family. And we go, yeah, it's great that it happened for me, but I don't think it should apply to all people. And we lose sight of this. Just as Jesus saw himself and others as, children of, as God's children, so we too must see ourselves and others as the children of God. And we do, when we do not treat one another as children of God, we are deceiving ourselves and we are denying God's great gift of love. We are not walking in the light. We are seeking to put blinders on to ourselves in the ways in which we are living and saying, yeah, I'm walking as a child of God, but I don't want to acknowledge that anyone else is a member of the family, which God needs to shine a light into our lives and say, this is sin. When we say that we are children of God, but they are not because they are not accepted in our family, the reality is, is that God came and died for all. And so what we need to do is extend grace, mercy, and love to one another that we may usher each other into the kingdom living. 
This is that idea that Gandhi talked about where he says, I love your Christ, but I cannot send your Christians because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Here's the reality. We look around and we go, oh, well, people need to come to the family. The reason they're not coming to the family has nothing to do with who the head of the household is. The reason that people don't want to be a part of the family is how we act as members of the household, quote unquote, because the reality is, is the way in which we are acting is not as members of the household, but we are acting as some other agent seeking to promote our own family. Being children, a child of God is who we are, but we need to live into that reality or we can deceive ourselves and give into sin. Denying God's gift of love and not living into the ways of love is a sin. Sin is acting out of any motivation that is not love. And so if anything that we are doing towards God or one another is not based and not rooted in love, then we need to check ourselves at the door. Because we are called, as we hear in our scripture, to be sinless. I know 1 John 3, 6, every person who remains in relationship to him does not sin. Any person who sins has not seen him or known him. It seems to be in a direct contradiction to what we looked at last week of 1 John 1, 8, that if we claim we do not have any sin, then we have deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. So are we deceived if we claim to be without sin or are those who abide in Christ sinless? Some would suggest that while we are with Christ, it is impossible to sin, but we step out of a relationship when we sin. So are we constantly stepping in and out of relationship with Christ? Is this like a, an unhealthy romantic relationship, or are these some complex flows of, and the messiness of just being in a relationship? That sometimes, you know, you find yourself doing what the one that you love calls you to do and sometimes maybe not so much. There's a genuine tension both within 1 John and within the experience of the church regarding this reality of sin on the one hand and life as God's children on the other. But what is clear, while I may not have an answer for, the de- for that tension, what is clear throughout this text is that the author will not allow self-delusions of sinlessness, nor an acceptance of sin within the life of God's children. And so the reality is what we need to do, as we talked about last week, is first acknowledge that we are sinful people, but seek to live sinless lives. Say, God, show me those ways that I'm not acting out of love for you and the other, that I may go forth seeking to live in love. And this is what we are called to in verse 7. The one who does righteousness, who treats and loves themselves and others as children of God, we are the righteous. See, if we are living into that truth of loving God and loving others, Conversely, if someone claims to be abiding in Jesus and does not act in that manner, loving and treating themselves and others as children of God, they are not abiding in Jesus at all. And here's the problem. For many of us, myself included, we have so often walked around living lives claiming that we are abiding in Jesus, acting out of anything other than love. Well, yes, we, claim, we love self and we say, I am a child of God. But when we interact with God and others, we do not live into that truth and, claim to, and we do not act out of love for them. The very root of who we are in God's love is revealed through Jesus. Everything we do as a church, as Christians, must be read through the lens of love of the Father. And this is the only ground on which we can stand. 
So righteousness is living as a reflection of that love. What exactly what that will look like as we go throughout our days is, un, is unknown, but it is revealed to us through Jesus Christ. We get a glimpse of what it can look like through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. We don't know what it looks like in our daily lives, but we do know what it looks like in perfect form. And as people following Christ, we're called to live it out as much as possible. We're called to be pure as Christ is pure. We are called to love as God loves. We are called to forgive as, God, as Christ forgives. We are called to invite others as Christ invited. We are called to never cease loving. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He says, we think we become disciples after our baptism and it's like God coming into the house of our hearts and putting up some new drapes, slapping on a new coat of paint on the same old walls. But in reality, when we choose to follow Christ, when we choose to step into family, when we choose to take on that name of Christian, God comes in and he knocks down most of the walls and starts building something new. And the Apostle John here is saying pretty much the same thing. You cannot be casual about sin. You cannot be willfully wallowing in your sin. You cannot just let things slide. You cannot just slap on a coat of paint and go, oh, it's all okay, if you don't get to the root of the matter. And let things, if you let things slide in your life and you still think you're in Christ, you, you just don't get it. Because the reality is, is for many of us, the reason that God must come in and break down the walls is because our houses have been built on, the, on a wrong foundation. A foundation of self and ego. A foundation of, I'm okay, you're okay. A foundation of hate and division and separation. And not by any necessarily of our own conscious doings, but by the subconscious way in which our world has operated for so long. And so what we need to do is tear it down to the root of the issue and say, am I acting in love? Period. And I just want to close with this thought. Oh Lord, shine your light into our lives. Expose our sins, those ways in which we have loved self and not you or others. Those ways in which our lifestyle have marginalized others, have pressed others away. Open our eyes and our hearts to the ways that we have either consciously or unconsciously promoted the worldly ways of hate and division. Oh God, break down the walls in our lives that we may be made new in your love, that we may share that love with all. And give us the strength and the courage, O oh God, to acknowledge those ways in which we have not acted in love. But give us the strength and the courage to go forth, even in a world that promotes hate and division, to go forth seeking your uni unity as we seek to love you and one another. Amen and amen.